Hey everyone, you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today we talked to Ben Caesar. You might know Ben from the country artist Brad Paisley. Because of the amount and variety of information that Ben gave us in this one interview, we've decided to break it up into two parts. So this is part one of Ben Caesar's interview. If you want to find out more information about this and other podcasts and see a whole variety of pictures that we took at this interview with our great photographer, John Zacco, please visit us at workingdrummer.net, find us on Facebook and Twitter. Here's Ben Caesar, part one. There's almost no difference anymore between uh, working with someone who everybody knows full-time or working with working full-time with someone who everybody doesn't know it's really all just work and you you know you do what you you can to to keep it together I mean because uh, even the the known people with the exception of a few groups like Brad and Rascal Flats who got their foot in the door before it all went you know with the exception of groups like that these a lot of these people that you'll know, well, you'll really only know for about a week, and then you'll be out of a job, and you'll yeah. be looking for another one. So yeah. you, there's a lot now, the way the paradigm has shifted in the industry, uh, you get a good you know, club gig or some kind of gig where you can work all the time. Yeah. Who cares if, if you're known on a national level? You're working yeah. all the time. Right, right, right. I mean, you're, but you're, you're doing better than people struggling on a record label who doesn't care about them, who's going to put out one single and then drop them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You think that's the environment in Nashville? You're saying like the paradigm has shifted it's, where it's when you yeah, it's, when, it's, when, when Brad started, they were nurturing the the. There was artists. more development, and there yeah. was more there was more to invest in because people bought records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and people still followed. The career, uh, music, they follow, you know, the, the things that made them follow you were uh, obviously, well, think about, all right, let me put it from, from like a rock perspective. Um, and we, I think everybody here is old enough to get what I'm saying. So when, when, when I was a kid. We can edit that part out. Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one that's old. <laughs> Take, it could be any band, you know. You got, you got, you started out and you got the first record, okay, and you, you became uh, intrigued. Uh -huh. And maybe after a few listens, you started to fall in love with that band. And you had all the information about the band right there. And the only pictures you could have were in that album cover. And oh, you, you know, yeah, you couldn't yeah. look at them enough. Right. Because that's all you had. And, and, uh, and the music was, you know, they were trying to say something musically, let's say, okay? And then they would put out another record. Yeah. And, well, now you're excited to see the next level, the evolution mm -hmm. uh, to the next stage. And maybe, maybe the bass player died or something, or, you know, or not. But, 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 but things changed between that time mm -hmm. the first record came out and the second record. And then you were, they're sort of stringing you along. And there was this romance to being a fan. Yeah, yeah. That 
that, you know, it, it unfolded like a movie or like a story. You were part you, of the narrative. Yeah. Or you, were, you were following... Fan, following the narrative. Yeah. If you became... Uh, you could join a fan club. Yeah. If you joined the fan club, they would give you the poster or the signed picture. Yeah. And the music was... But, but also that, the, you, you couldn't wait to hear what else they were going to say or what else your favorite drummer was going to do. Mm-hmm. They didn't have everything on YouTube, yeah. you know, right there to just take for granted. You had to wait a year or two to hear what they were going to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, and that experience is, was, is magical, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, I feel bad for, for kids who, who grow up never know what that's like to follow the career of the band or the artist they love over mm-hmm. the course of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some degree that, happen in, that happens in country where I think it's more just about the artist and the evolution of the music. You know, in rock, you did get into the, the band guys. It was always a band. It wasn't just a, you know, Led Zeppelin wasn't Robert Plant. Yeah, you're right. Every one of, you know, and Queen wasn't Freddie Mercury. Right. You know, and, and Van Halen wasn't David Lee Roth and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, and even in like Tom Petty's band, you knew who the Heartbreakers were. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you, uh. And if there was a change in that lineup, yeah. you knew about it. And it was cool to know about it. And yeah. you wanted to know about it and you couldn't wait to know about it. And, uh. And and in country, it was I think maybe more just about the artist and the music, but still you had that reason to follow it uh, uh, through the through the course. That's why you know you could. Brad had uh, you know double platinum albums pretty much mm-hmm. you know up until it all just you know that changed. Because people would, there's a certain, you know, roughly two million people couldn't wait to see the next phase of it. Right. So that's, so getting, let me digress. Uh, So, you know, back to the original point, since this phenomenon has disappeared, the the record labels don't really know what to invest in. You know, so it's hard... You know, they're just throwing artists out, I think, and and hoping for the best. They're not. They don't know what's gonna go viral or what's gonna. They, they don't really know. They just something gets lucky, and it does well. And then and then in Nashville, it's sort of like, <clears throat> like with the whole, what they call whatever bro country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I'm not a judge, so I, I'm more of an observer. So I don't. I try not to paint things like good or bad they just are right but that is a phenomenon in nashville that cannot be denied yeah but as that came out it it, it, you know whoever sort of was the first person to do that it's it's sort of like they put out something about you know trucks and beer and whatever And then someone goes all right everybody this is to the rest of nashville all right everybody it's trucks and beer (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, and that's yeah. kind of what... Do you think that happened before, though? Like, there was a phenomenon yes. that happened before? Yes, And then yes. one before that, or do you think... I feel like, and I... The only problem I, with my argument about that is I can't... I can't remember the... What the case was, but I feel like 
because you know I've, I've been watching it for 15 years and I feel like that that I've seen that same sort of thing where somebody hits on a niche mm-hmm. and then everyone scrambles to throw out their copy right of that I, I you know seem I mean? to notice it I seem to notice it like when Gretchen Wilson hit right there was a shift in female singers a trend towards tough girls exactly yeah and that, and then there was the uh, music mafia thing, yeah, and uh, which was cool, you know, right? And, and, and there was a shift there, a noticeable shift in music and who was doing what, and then, uh, and then Taylor Swift comes out and changes yeah. the landscape, and then, and everyone starts to kind of focus on how do we do more of this? This is yeah. Work. There were some Taylor Swift, yeah. Uh, clones and there were some you know when the flats came out they were the first group to really go all right you know what we're just going to pretty much fuse um ultra pop oh yeah stylish yeah, exactly the the elements of that almost like the boy band kind of thing sure with the country sound mm-hmm. no apologies yeah we're doing that and there were some copies of that uh what was oh, what was that band oh I'll never remember my memory. There were, you know, they were put, there was a few, again, it's hard to remember them because they they come out and they do an album. And so you do think there's there's less opportunity for artists to come out and, and sustain the type of longevity that some of these yes. original groups have? I mean, yes. And the ones that do are a mix of, of, of luck. Yeah. There's the envision, so there'll be something else. Well, and, but and, no and one... how does all that impact players, mm. drummers that are kind of participating in this environment, not as artists but as side side men, side uh, you know hired guns, uh, if you will. It makes you it know? harder yeah. because there's it, what you're seeing is a a contraction. It's like a recession in music. Mm in a way mm. um, because there's the value has been taken out of it right and therefore the opportunities go away mm. mm-hmm. you know because it takes money to to throw out a tour it takes money yeah. to promote right. singles and the, the reason why they promote singles on the radio and do all this stuff is to sell records yeah uh, I kind and of relate it to when we, don't we were buy kids. records anymore. Yes, yeah. When we were kids, uh, the whole idea of the band, and, yeah, uh, you know, uh, and they were our idols, and they were just untouchable gods. Yeah. And uh, then you start doing this full time, and you realize that, uh, well, so many realities come into play. But um, a lot, oftentimes, the musicians that are hired to support the artists, they don't hold the same status as the the band members did when we were when we were younger. Oh, right, yeah. not even close. And definitely not in country music. Yeah, yeah. Not in that. You have to create your own It's it's funny cuz it's not enough to have a unbelievable gig. Um and I'll use um let me use this as an example. And I'm, I'm again, I'm not I'm not uh saying anything negative about it. It just if it's negative then you're 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 interpreting what I say as that, but mm-hmm. take um like modern drummer. 
and I'll use myself as, as an example. Um, I have one of the best gigs literally in the world. Mm-hmm. 15-year career. Mm-hmm. I've played on, uh, I can't remember how many albums. Literally can't remember, maybe 15. Um, most of them platinum. I've played on 22, 23 Billboard number one singles. Mm-hmm. I've literally, I've won a Grammy for a song I co-wrote. Right. Um, I've toured the world. We play in front of 10 uh, to 20,000 people every night consistently. Yeah. And I have one of what you, you would think would be one of the greatest gigs in the world. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Literally nobody cares. Hmm. <laughs> in order to be known... Yeah. And I do, and I, and not only that, but I, pay, I don't just sit home and collect a check. I practice every day. Yeah. And I work, and I, I yeah. to be in the drummer community. Yeah. I and, still, and I want to get to that. I want to certainly want to get. You to You know, that. and but that's a separate thing. I've always done that. Yeah. But what I do on this big scale isn't enough on its own to draw interest from the publications. Uh, from the drum community, from PASIC, from... Again, I'm not saying that, that I'm not... Uh, I don't have a grudge about that, but it just is. Because but, of... Because of Nashville? Because no, of I don't, it's not because of Nashville. It's, no, 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 no. It, it's... I don't... Because that... It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's not a blame uh, thing. It's not... Uh, but, but take that information, what I'm telling you, and use it as as guidance to, mm-hmm. to, to, to show you what's important mm-hmm. um, and it's almost what it, what's important now isn't so much um, what you do it's how many people see what you do yeah I could do a drum solo on YouTube like I could really come up with something cool and improvise and make a statement blah 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 or I could take a poop and take a picture of it. <laughs> and if the poop with the picture gets a million views, well, guess what? That's better. Yeah. It's simply better in the, yeah, I understand. in the realm of the world we live in. Yeah. That's more successful. So it doesn't matter really what you do. And I know some people are going to think that that's sad or that's that's maybe pessimistic, but I don't subscribe to optimism or pessimism because those are belief systems. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I believe everything's great yeah. or, or I believe everything is bad. Right. It's not reality. Reality is just there's good and bad. Right. If you look at the numbers, you know. you're going to see that this yeah. picture, uh, the solo is not going to get as much hits mm-hmm. as the picture. And here's, in proof is this, um, even on my page, I've got about 5,000 fans and I've got 3,000 on my music page. And when I post, like I'll do a lesson. I'll, I'll come out here and I'll spend, and I'll do a free lesson. It'll take me a few hours to set up, to record it, to film it, to post it and edit it. And it's a good lesson. I put a lot of thought into my yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that'll get far less hits than something that I do that's like a picture behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Just, a, here's, here's us at catering, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Which just but tells you're going to have non-drummer fans that are going to check into that. Fans of Brad that are going to want to mm, see what you're good doing. Good point. Maybe I shouldn't have used that, but that's that's a good point. But it's a broader any, broader base. Yeah. Maybe. I mean. Yeah. Yes, I mean, and we and even now we know that as we're creating this podcast and it's yeah. and we're slowly growing, we know that the drumming community is a is a it's a niche yeah. audience. But most you know. of my fans on the music pages are drummers. Yeah. I'm very specific, so I don't just accept anybody right. uh, because my thing's filling up. So now I have to look at the profile. So I pretty much, I have maybe 300 personal friends from home, but the rest are drummers, you know? Well, you know if they have a guitar in their photo, <laughs> I'm, I all, most of the time I don't accept them because I can't market to them. Uh, really, and it's unfortunate. But I do have a few guys, like if they're from Nashville, or if they're someone I know, or if they're related. Yeah. But if it's just some random dude yeah. from Iowa with a guitar, and it's nothing personal, I just yeah. Yeah. I only have so much space. Right. I, it's funny. You know. There's a I don't remember the drummer's name. He played with NSYNC for a number of years, and he put out an instructional video, and it was live footage of him playing. Yeah. It's really cool. And I ended up getting the video, and and just kind of wanted to see how he handled this this working. This heavy duty yeah, yeah. gig, yeah, I, it, fan or no fan of the band, it doesn't really matter. He yeah. was had to be certain caliber to handle. Yeah, it. Um, and then there was uh, he did a, um, a, a what do you call it, like a studio session uh, or uh, a private lesson, a small group lesson online. Lesson. No, it was at a school. Okay, cool. This came out about twelve, thirteen years ago. Yeah, everybody in the audience. 90% of the audience were girls who were total insane right. fans that just wanted to see the drummer who plays with yeah their, nothing wrong with that their future <laughs> husbands yeah uh, they different were not topic. drummers yeah, they yeah, were not yeah. drummers they just wanted to yeah. so, you know they're different it's yeah so what's your so if we were to talk to the 15 16 20 year old drummer that mm. is saying Oh, I want to do this. I want mm -hmm. to try and make a career out of uh, playing music, uh, playing drums. Mm -hmm. What's your advice based on this is reality, folks? Yeah. I'm not being a pessimist. Yeah. But this is just this is reality. Yeah. Um, so, in your years of experience, yeah. what would your advice be? Because you're a teacher, you are yeah. interested in teaching people and and getting them to grow because. Because you're already doing it, and we'll talk more about that. Yeah. But, so business-wise, what's your advice? Well, I how only... Do you, how do you put a bow I on did this? a video about <laughs> this on my page called Thoughts on the Music Business. Okay. Uh, a few months ago, it's a black and white thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of paraphrase from that. Um, and I, I only can answer that question through my experience, yeah. not what the general... Well, not what the pros have to the whoever wrote the book how to make it in the music business and all this stuff is probably going to be diametrically opposed to that advice mm -hmm. for me um being successful in the music business was a uh was more of a dream not a goal mm -hmm. um and a dream lives is while the dream is sort of close to me and close to my heart it's not something i have direct influence over my goal on the other hand i have exact direct control over 
which is, and the goal was to just be, to simply be as good, yeah. or speak, you know, if you think of music like a language and a form of communication, my goal was to speak as authentically mm-hmm. and in, as intellectually as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And that I can control. The, the dream, because a dream requires things like luck mm-hmm. to come into play, you know, and, and I can't necessarily control that. So I focused, in order to achieve that, I, my simple goal was to be as, you know, tied to the instrument as possible and to be growing as much as I can and to play as much as I can because I love playing. I'm kind of, I never grew up from being a kid. I just, I just want to play. Yeah. And that singular focus is what brought me to a music city. Yeah. Because there's more opportunities to play. Yeah. And it, it turned, it steered my, my ship, if you will, towards people that had the same goals. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it turned me towards people who had the same goals, who had stuff going on in yes. this city where the music is. Yes. And the dream part of it was fulfilled through that. Yeah. So, everybody that I talk to has it, in my opinion, totally reversed. They're focused on the dream. How do I make this thing that's not only, even in a good environment where there's a lot of opportunity, it's still hard. Even in the 90s, in the two, that early 2000s where yeah. there were gigs, that dream was still very, very, very difficult. Yeah. So take a time now where there's a retraction in opportunity mm-hmm. or a recession and... And focus even more on the dream because everything in pop culture and media sells this idea yes. of, of, of this dream of, you know, you can be famous and you can tell people what to do and you can walk around with your little dog and or whatever it is that that means to people or have money mm-hmm. um, or, or just be cool. And so, you know, I'm the guy. I've got all the success, you know, um, They've got it reversed. Mm. So you can't, how can you just focus on something like that that's like literally a needle in a haystack or worse? Would you say that, you know, like, so I have this passion for playing. Yeah. And if I can do it full time and make a living of it, great, because it means I get to do it all the time. Yes, that's all. But (laughs) for some reason, I have to go do a work someplace else and do this on my off days it's still okay as long as I still get to it's exactly play. how I was that's how I was when I met Brad and and that that's what kept me from being nervous in things like auditions I was already you know I auditioned I, two, two times in my life once before Brad uh and I was, uh, I already had a cool gig that I loved I was playing I mean yes I wanted to take it to another level but that was only to give me more opportunity to play. You're right, yeah, right. It, it wasn't about, you know, love me, oh God, love me, oh, or, <laughs> or buying power, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was just, ooh, a, a big gig would be good because that, that then I could do my gig and I'd come home and practice. I have all my time when I'm not on the road. It's like, perfect. 
That's all I thought about. Yeah, yeah. Um, not how it would make me look when I walked into a party. Uh, <laughs> so, um, getting back to that, the question. Um, damn, I, this is what I do. I get off. It's fine. Uh, no, reel well, me think, back. Well, the original question, just a kind of advice to young players coming up is... It, no, after that. Right before... Damn. All right, sorry. <laughs> auditioning. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. I was talking about auditioning, because this is a big thing. So I already had a, a, a gig that I liked. We were playing a lot, and yes, I was working, and yes, it was hard. But I, my happiness wasn't contingent upon getting this gig. I didn't make a deal going, all right, I'm going to be pissed off and unhappy, and I'm only going to be happy when I have success, because that's what people do. Yeah, yeah. They walk around unfulfilled, mm -hmm. and they can't enjoy their lives because they're they're so focused on this dream part of it that they're missing the process of right. growing and learning, and yeah. that's where the joy comes from yeah. for me. Yeah. So I'm looking at these guys who are nervous. It, you know, I'm looking at lines of guys, and they're I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're just like, oh god, you know, shaking, and you can see, and they're pale, even like. Mm -hmm. Because they've attached their whole value mm -hmm. on this one audition, this gig. Yeah. And uh, while I thought it was important, I was prepared. And I made sure I got inside the music. And I got up there and I was just like, let's make, let's create something. Let's create a vibe. You know, mm -hmm. I might not play everything perfect, but let's, let's create a vibe. Uh, and I've got every audition I've ever, you know... Uh, tried out for because I didn't need it so bad that I couldn't function. No, I understand. was already happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the simple lesson on that. That's, that's, you know? Yeah. Enjoy the process because it's yeah. the, you, you, kind of your own creating your own destiny by yeah. the, the, your perception of things. And, and people see that on you. You know what I mean? That's That kind of thing is infectious. Mm hmm. When you don't need it, you know, it's kind of like that in dating, you know, I mean, guys who, you know, see a pretty girl and they're so pretty and we're, we're, we just like lose it. We become idiots. We do stupid stuff. We say stupid stuff because we need it so bad to mm -hmm. be, you know, right. um, we, we, we blow it. And then, you know, and it seems like the the guys that don't seem to care or seem to need it adopt this relaxed Right. Together kind of posture. Um, and while... Uh, so you think people are going to be attracted to that? They're going to come to you. That kind of energy. Yeah. 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 As opposed to seeming so desperate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're auditioning them, too. Right. 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 You know. Because if you get the gig, you're going to have to spend a lot of time. Yeah. With that. Yeah. <laughs> about those bands I'm like yeah I remember that yeah. I remember getting Dark Side of the Moon and, right. and and opening it up and 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 I think I already had a copy well I bought multiple copies of records yeah. because I find it's like oh this one opens up I gotta have this one too yeah. <laughs> and there was like stickers and a poster in there yeah. and, and, and the wall came out and then you were like that's it whoa yeah like, that whoa experience uh, in music is gone yeah. it's like that impact yeah, yeah. it's you know what i mean that 
listen to what they're saying. Yeah. You know, it's all just become hee you know, I don't know if this is on the record, but you know, it's, uh, this is kind of off a, the record because we're I think know. we're kind of digressing. But it's like, man, uh, John and we're, I were, we're talking. We know. worked together. Yeah, John's yeah. a great guitar player. And yeah, we were on the road, and uh, and you did some work with Carrie Underwood. We toured uh, with you guys mm-hmm. when, uh, yeah. in 2006. Yeah. I was. Yeah, 2006. I just remember uh, uh, we roomed together a lot, and we were watching, and she was on, and you were, and they were interviewing her like when she was going to audition for American Idol, and you're like, "What were you doing that year?" And I'm like, "I was in Nashville. I was trying. We were like working our butts off. We were yeah. trying to do all this stuff." She didn't even. She hadn't even done a gig outside of her church or something. Like yeah, a lot that. of them in, in that year. And it, and so now this is the perception. We had that conversation. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it goes from like I'm going to be an instant star, and the rest of us have all like. And Mike worked. and I were in bands when we were 18 years old, 17, yeah. 18 years old, and just yeah. working, working, working. Well, that brings me to another. We're talking about what's helped uh, bring down the music business. I have a theory about that. Um. It, it, this isn't the. This isn't the only factor, but this is. Uh, this comes into play when we talk about opportunities and why they're diminishing, uh, and why that fan experience is going away. Um, it used to be you had to it, you 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 had to be proficient and and relevant and good in some way mm-hmm. to get success. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there's been like there's been pop and there's been all kinds of versions of bubble gum and maybe what we would call lame music through every generation. Um. But for the most part, you had a filter, and the record labels and the A&R guys and the talent scouts that, that were out there, you, you had this sort of wall where it was like, you know, it, it was sort of like a dam. It didn't let all of it through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But some of it got through, and there was, there was a certain kind of, uh, there was a standard, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Well, now you have... These shows, these singing contests, and what happens is um, you get these kids on there who are basically babies. Yeah. They're babies. They haven't really found their voice. And yes, maybe they can... Finding your voice is is different than being able to sing. Mm -hmm. Finding your voice takes time. It takes falling down. It takes... Suffering, struggling, uh, failing, getting back up—that's mm-hmm. what—that's what fuels your your voice. It's just—it's sort of like the way I'm talking to you now. You can, maybe or maybe not, you know, you can hear the the passion and the oh, push yeah. behind what I'm saying, and it's yeah. the same thing when I play. Yeah. Um, but that is no longer required to get on one of these shows. Now, granted, they make great television. <laughs> But that doesn't necessarily translate into the real world because other than, uh, you know, other than Carrie and, uh, Kelly and Kelly Clarkson, can you name any American Idol winner that have done long-lasting great things or, or the last few winners of The Voice or any of these shows? Yeah. Because it, it, while they made great television, sort of like a hangover, like... Um, like the Super Bowl, like every, there's all this hype, 
and they string you along through the season and it builds and it builds and you watch it and it's awesome because I've done it too. And then they have the final winner and then there's lights and fireworks and streamers coming down and it's great. And then the next day, the hangover comes in. You're like, oh, that was good. Well, what else we got? <laughs> and it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. No one, the ten, the, you know, we, the tension span isn't there. We're like, where, well, where's the next thing? Yeah. Um, Feed me. It's so it, that's why it, it doesn't, even for these contestants who are hopeful, they think that's going to be the answer to their dreams. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it's this phenomenon has been going on long enough to we can look back and go, hey, folks, is this really going to take you where you want to? Do bu- you think the bubble's going to burst? Do you think finally people are going to be like, okay, I need some more substance? No. I think so. <laughs> no, it won't come to- from the people. It, the people won't ask for it because they won't, remember, they don't know any better. Right. They, uh, older people like you might, and not on me, uh, yeah. might, but, but we do, we're not uh, a big enough part of the constituency. We're not a big enough part of the buying the public. The buying public, I understand. To, and the people that are the buying public are the women, basically, from the ages of whatever the statistic is, 15 so, to exactly. 20s. They don't, they won't have anything to compare to. It won't come from the people. Right. It'll come from, it could come from visionaries in the music business. It would take that. It would take someone that has the balls to, to, uh, to put their money on something they actually believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone that knows something about music, not just about right. selling. You could mix the two. I believe you could have music that could sell a lot, but could also bring back meaning. Have there, anybody, has, has there been an... Any artists or singers or bands that have given you hope? Like, I need, we need more of that. I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, That's a million-dollar question. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Stella sisters, Lennon and Maisie Stella. Okay. Um, they're, I think at this point, maybe uh, 9 and 15 Incredible singers. They're the two actors actor, uh, on uh, the show Nashville. Okay. I don't watch the show, but I know them through friends and they yeah. have YouTube videos uh, again. But they're this, for me, this glimmer of hope mm. because of the talent, the level of talent that they bring, the honesty yeah. that they bring in their music, even if, and the pace in which they're, and their parents are musicians as well. Yeah. I have to see them because. I don't know who they are, it's but boy, it's hard to believe at nine and fifteen again that they but have they, enough. But we're talking maybe talent, yes. But but there are also project prodigies, like people yeah. who who are seem older than they are, no doubt, yeah. no well, doubt. Well, I, I, they're definitely worth worth some time. Yeah. Uh, that 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 it's. I'm not asking people to go check them out and be fans. What I'm yeah. saying is, mm. I, I am. I'm yeah, already yeah, yeah. a huge fan. But what, what it tells me and, and the pace in which they're approaching music and how their parents are nurturing their talents and what they're doing, it, it's almost like, I think there's hope. I think there's something. Or, or you, yeah. you hear another new artist that's coming down the, the pike that you're like, it, that's gaining popularity. Yeah. And you can, you can, I can get behind this. Yeah. I want to buy that. You know? yeah. I'm not, a, like you said, I'm not in that demographic of the, yeah. the general buying public. But I do buy records. I still buy music. And yeah. It's like, and it could be somebody that I've never heard before. It could be somebody brand new. It's like, yes, I want to get behind this. 
that's a real band. That's a real yeah. artist. That's yeah. somebody who's writing their own music. That's yeah. Put put on a lo- great live show, great production. Yeah. And it's it's not somebody that everyone knows. Yeah. You know. But uh, it just makes me hope that like yeah, there's there's that but it, it, that drives me because I yeah. think I'm dude. Everything you're talking about from yeah. your passion with drums. Yeah. Practicing. Yeah. The the whole like. Getting to the music business, moving to Nashville, so you can play more, yeah, and get around people, yeah, dude, I'm totally with you. Yeah. That's exactly why I yeah. did it. That's exactly but why I did it. That Mike. advice doesn't. Uh, you can't sell that advice on a in a cookie cutter package. You can't because uh, there's no more to it than that. Yeah, it's not a. It's not really formulaic. Like some of the, you know, the the business of music and how to. I don't uh, think it ever you know, was though. Yeah. I mean, you, and even if we talk in the nineties, they try. You can say, um, okay, yeah. what's you got your degree at Berkeley? Right. Okay, can we see that? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And what was your grades? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, they didn't ask for that at the audition. Yeah, no, 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 of course not. <laughs> it's all yeah. your vibe. Hey, buddy, you'll pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about the love. I mean, that's the part that's missing. Yeah. What you have is the heart for it. That's why you're doing what you're doing. You the unconditional play. love. Yeah, you want to play. Same with you. Yeah. It's like you want to play. I mean, that's at the heart of it because you love it, not because, well, it looks, the business is going to, you know, I'm going to be able to make this by this quarter and blah, blah, blah. It's not like Yeah. That. Well, it's the mixture. That's to your point. You can't package that. You can't yeah. package your, your heart. You it's the mixture of that love, but also having something to say. So, that's my definition of, of an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, see, artists, I, I, it's funny, I, I love art, but I'm not in the club of artists. <laughs> so what I mean by the club of artists, it's just like any other faction mm-hmm. um, where you all have to dress the certain way. You have to be like, um, you know, sort of a martyr. <laughs> you have to, uh, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of uh, weird things that go into being in the club of being an artist. Um, and I've been shunned from many artist wine and cheese parties because I don't, you know what I mean? But the definition is, to me, is simply you have something to say that's mm-hmm. real yeah. and you say it in a different way that isn't conversational necessarily. You may right. say it in poetry. Uh, you may say it in painting, you may say it in drumming, uh, you know, and, and um, you have to mix that voice with with the love, I think, to get a real, to be impactful in a way that that we were impacted as kids, you know what I mean? Uh, and drummers, this is the other problem with drummers, you, you know, um, and, and this is a Nashville thing, we're not really encouraged to be artists, I reject that um, in my gig. Luckily, Brad, uh, he wants us to to be uh, to to make statements mm-hmm. and encourages us, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, in the record in the recording. Mm-hmm. He takes it a step further. You know, as 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 artful as I think I'm being, sometimes it's not enough. He wants me to dig deeper into the unknown and mm-hmm. the weird. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Don't give me typical Nashville shit." Well, I when, want to kind of challenge you, know, you on that idea yeah. that you're not an artist and you don't have something to say, and yet you put so much into... Yeah, I'm not saying me, though. 
Um, I do. Oh, okay. I maybe feel I, like maybe what I misunderstood. What yeah, you're let saying. me let me back up and clarify. In in Nashville, the mandate for drummers sort of is, you know, shut up, play mime the part from the record, just play as closely as you can to this click. Don't don't be too creative. Don't you have a there's a threshold, mm-hmm. and if you go past it, you're either uh, you're being too individual, or maybe you're overplaying, or well, maybe you are overplaying. But uh, you know, I, um, you're you're coloring outside the lines. And drummers are not, and the artist is the artist. The singer is the artist. You're just hired. Shut up. Mime the part. Make it feel good. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. I don't care if you have something to say, just play the part. Um, but you can play the part. It's not about complexity or note value. Um, I wish I could play. Can we play? Yeah, yeah. It won't, this might not translate on, on a podcast, but let's see if it's all right. So you could play groove. This way, and there'd be nothing wrong with it. You know, um, oops. You know. And that would be fine. Or you could play it like this. You could say, well, you know, he played louder, but that's not really it, no, is it? No, I pl- no. You know, I, I played that simple groove with intent in an artistic mindset to interpret that pulse with all my life experiences, <laughs> yeah. you know, and to interpret not only the note attacks, but the space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the inflection. So that's that's really where drummers can can establish a voice. It's not like, ooh, I play creative fills per se, or I play mm-hmm. your your real voice to me in, as as a drummer because our parts are simple. Is your inflection again? Like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. There's inflection in my voice. I'm, there's ups and downs. I'm not, you know, I'm not like your eighth grade history teacher. Blah 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 blah. You know blah, him? That's yeah. Wow, blah, that's blah, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Which was, which is how a lot of guys play. Yeah. Um. You're not saying anything. You're miming a part. Right. And I just see this. I'm not saying everybody, but I've been here long enough, and I and I and I've seen so much, and and I see drummers either too afraid to use their voice. Because cause there's danger in there. Because when you use your emotions, you could, you might, uh, you might rush the click, or you might get yelled at, or you might get fired, and blah blah blah. So there's this sort of uh, repression, artistic repression kind of thing. Uh, Do you with teach drummers? That? I mean, is that yes? Okay. Because I, I wanna... teach. That's one of the. I try to help people find their voices because we don't need any more guys that can play paradiddles around the kit. Well, I want to get. I'm you know what I mean? Shift gears more yeah. into because I that's mean, fine. I, I love all this stuff. 
as, as far as industry yeah. and your experience and what yeah. you're sharing because this is uh, something that we haven't really gotten a lot into. Mm-hmm. So I love this is all fresh. It's all yeah. very good. But um, kind of one of the, uh, aside from your experience and, and all the things that you've done, kind of one of the driving factors in ha- having you on my list of mm-hmm. people that I wanted to talk to mm-hmm. Was kind of this what you've created with your website and mm-hmm. your uh, how you've gone from just being the guy that we know who plays with Brad to yeah. uh, I'm also an educator. I'm also yeah. a teacher. I also have this philosophy of yeah. playing and performance that you're just you're compelled to share and yeah. bring. So I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a larger philosophy to your teaching. Yes. Then just here's this book. Here's oh, this. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I love to hear. Well, more it about starts that. with um, growing up. I always, I guess, I compared myself to the, my heroes. Why are my heroes up here? Why are my heroes someone that I worship, and I'm just me? Where, where do, how do I make the leap? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not to become a hero, but to be able to play. Because I'm such a big fan of the people I'm a fan of. Yeah. Um, why am I different? And so it starts with that question. Yeah. And why are they the way they are and, and I'm the way I am? And, I, you know, I did go to school for music, but um, I didn't learn much about that in music school at the time. Now, I don't know what it's like now because I was there a long time ago. But it was a, it was a very cookie-cutter approach. Here's your, uh, you know, here's here's your proficiency for the end of the month. You'll be graded. Here's the material. Go learn this material. I'm like, okay, I can learn this material, and I did. And this was but, at Berkeley. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it it didn't bridge the gap between greatness. And there were kids, you know, who were my age who were brilliant musicians. Yeah. And and I never, they were doing things. You know, if, if music is a language, it was like I was speaking baby talk and these guys were speaking. They could speak baby talk. They could speak adolescent. They could speak philosophy, Eastern or Western. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Their their language was so intellectual mm-hmm. um, that and they were saying things that I couldn't understand. And it it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind in a way that, you know, I've never really recovered from that. You know, that first day at school when I was a small kid, you know, from high school going into this big world and there were musicians who were, I'm telling you, seasoned pros hmm. already at 18, 19. Uh, and, and I wanted to be like that from a language point of view, from, you know, from, a, from my, you know, their voices were developed. They knew who they were. At that age. Yeah. So my teaching, so my whole, my whole path was trying to figure out the subtle things that make someone that accomplished. And the education world doesn't really know how that happens. Yeah. They yeah. don't, because a lot of teachers just, they teach, but they don't put themselves into the experiment. So not, and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, dog anybody, because there are people like that. But what, what I, I needed someone who was more like a mentor. And to me, a mentor is someone who 
knows things from practical experience. They themselves are in the game. Yes. And they don't learn things conceptually. So, and conceptually, sometimes it's things that are passed down. Like, uh, you know, if you do this in stick control and for eight hours a day, you'll be, you'll all of a sudden be able to play like Buddy Rich or something like that. Well, Buddy didn't do stick control for, you know what I mean? So what the hell happened there? You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, or, and, and while that may be a valid thing, it's, it's the application of that advice. That's the real magic. Mm -hmm. Um, not just the generic, okay, do this for two minutes and then this for two minutes, lefts and rights and blah, blah. That's not how these guys became great. I just don't believe it. Um, but there's a lot of knowledge that's just pass around, like right. hearsay. Yeah. And <clears throat> teachers recycle that knowledge. Yeah. And mentors mm. can, make, can tell you why... That knowledge works or doesn't. And a mentor makes a case for everything they show you. What you have in the education community is sort of like a prescription service, like they did at Berkeley. Here, son, take your medicine. Don't ask why. Just do it and get your grade. Yeah. That's not how, for me, that's not how you became great. Mm -hmm. So I started to reverse engineer through observation, just some of the subtle things that that my heroes had. And I would kind of line them up in my mind and try to find the common denominators, hmm. you know, through observation, listening to them talk, watching interviews, not just watching them play hmm. or listening to them play. Can you cite any and, examples? Like maybe take a couple of players and say, you know, here's, here's, what, here's well, the common... Well, all of them. All of, here's one with all of them. Um, and I did an article about this on Modern Drummer. It's the first article I ever wrote. Um, it's a very simple concept, which is purposeful playing. And we've talked about this through this whole interview, yeah. which is um, having a purpose, knowing what you want to say, knowing, having something to say and having the balls to say it. Yeah. Um, um, another thing about groove, um, these groove and time and pocket, these are like catch Phrases that people throw around that I don't think anyone really defines. Mm. Um, And a lot of people don't realize your inflection, your attack on the instrument has just as much to do with groove and feel as the actual timing does. Mm, I understand what you're saying. Kind of like what you just played. Which, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, again, I did another article about this called uh, something like your tone and your touch. Um, basically, if for me, it doesn't matter. Um, while I love my high-end drums, I, I don't necessarily uh, need them to make a statement. I could make a musical statement, you know, right here, you know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can, and, and they still sounds like me. Yeah. 
I could do that. I did a video where I did that. I did it on the barbecue grill. I did it on the drums. I did it on the practice pad, and I cut the... And it was the same groove. It still sounded like me. And the producers from Stomp called yeah. you and said, Will you please? No. You know, your, your, your sound... Come, you can't see this, but I'm throwing my hands up. This is where your, this is where your sound and your your groove is. So everyone gets all well the drums and this kind of wood and cross laminating, yeah. and that that discussion is cool, but we're deflecting. Mm -hmm. um, another thing for guys who want to be soloists or want to be who are influenced by people like. You know, Dave Weckl or Keith Carlock, uh, or Donati or some of these other. Um, this is this is a big thing. If you want to get into this kind of playing, or Louis Belson, or Buddy Rich, or any of the, the old jazz guys, or you know Papa Joe Jones, um, these guys thought about melodies, not licks. So, uh, here's a lick. Um, here, here's how we do it now. Um, analogy and I teach with analogies to make my cases mm -hmm. it's like someone writes a book okay someone writes a brilliant book and somewhere in the book there's a sentence and it's like a the thought-provoking brilliant sentence and it's like a it could be a Facebook quote and someone what, what they'll do is they'll highlight the sentence take the sentence out put it in Facebook and they'll never really know what the context is. Right. What create? What made the author create? What was the the consciousness or the flow of thought that made that sentence come out in the first place? Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in drumming. Mm -hmm. Steve Gadd will do a, a brilliant piece, and in the middle of it, he'll do something mind blowing. And what we'll all do is we'll take that piece out, that sentence. Yeah. Put it on Drummer World or YouTube with <laughs> L's, F's, R's, R's, and all this stuff and go, here's that lick. Right. And what I want to know is that what made him, what was the thought process that, that churned that out? Because he'll tell you, while he may have some stuff that he does that, that's in his bag, he wasn't sewing together. It's um, uh, you know a solo or a melodic piece isn't a patchwork mm -hmm. of licks that are memorized. Yeah, there's there's melody. Yeah, and there's melody and there's sentence structure mm -hmm. and there's embellishments. Mm -hmm. And I want to know where how to have that thought process. Mm. Uh, how do these guys? come up with this stuff in the first place. And that's one of the, 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 the things I've learned is that they have a basic sense of syncopation. And syncopation is basically incorporates, you know, <clears throat> odd rhythms and displacement. So, and by the way, to me, rudiments are out of their context in, in this regard. So what I mean by that is we, we drummers see rudiments as the basic building blocks of our language. Yeah. And I don't see the rudiments as the basic building blocks of our language. I see rudiments more like embellishments or like like punctuation. Mm. Like exclamations mm. or because I can make a musical I can sing a musical piece which doesn't have rudiments that will motivate that will, you know, 
incorporate melody, but no rudiments. You know, one. No rudiments, folks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That was just raw melody. Yeah. So once you have once you have the uh, ability to feel mm-hmm. raw melody and syncopation, then you can add then rudiments just again they they punctuate uh those things. I mean, you can do rudimental based solos and stuff, but but to just to clearly put it, to get rid of all the, you know, everything needs to be put in its proper perspective, in order to to learn, and you got to cut through the right. jargon, you know. And, and, and I know yeah. that there's an approach to teaching where it says, here are the tools that you need. To, uh, to learn physically how to do anything that comes into your mind. Really? In other words, What's if, that? You're, if you're hearing something in your yeah. head, whether it's a melody or to play something on the instrument, then you have to have the facility, the physical facility to do it. Because uh, maybe someone has, uh, they can hear a drum solo. They've never picked up sticks in their life. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out, well, you know, this, this approach... Yes. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, have a, I can answer that okay. for you. I divide all of drumming, again, for simplicity, because I need things simple and I need no bullshit. Um, anything we do falls on one or of two sides. There's what we play, yeah. which would be whatever we're playing, whatever style we're in. If, are we playing melodic? Are we playing groove? Are we playing this style? What, what, there's the what, which is personal choice. And then what you're talking about is the how. Yeah. The facility, the mm-hmm. technique. Yeah. You have to... So if you think about drumming in those simple terms, you can actually... It helps you to divide your time up proportionally. So you, you, you spend your time on your what, which is internalizing and knowing the things you want to play, mm-hmm. which I could go off on a whole tangent just about that, and then developing... The movement. So what we call technique, I call movement. Um, Because technique isn't in its proper uh, place in drumming culture. Oh, you know, boy, okay, technique. And they say it, Jojo Mayer and all these guys say it so plainly, but it goes over everybody's heads. Technique is a tool to get that, whatever's in your voice. I think that's where I'm trying to, that's where I'm coming from is... yeah. You, you want to have no friction between your thought and the end of the drumstick. Exactly. And that and technique eliminates the friction. Yes. That's the only purpose of it. But what we do in drum world is, te- instead of technique being the tool, it's what's on display. Okay. So it's the analogy for that would be like, I build a brand new house, a beautiful mansion, and I invite all my friends over, and instead of showing you the intricacies of the, the house, I show you the bulldozers. Here's the screwdrivers, folks. Here's the hammers. Yeah. That's what we... But you have to 
dispel. You have to cut through the, yeah. the I'm bullshit. Not playing, yeah, I'm not and, playing and, at devil's yeah. advocate. Yeah, no, no, I know you're not. But that's uh, how I, I. That's how I. That's how I teach. Yeah. Is you're, this is giving you an insight? Is yeah. first we have to get through the lore, the folklore. Mm-hmm. And the the programming and things need to be put in their proper perspective, yeah. So that you can cut, because you'll because like me, my path was not linear to, you know. I'm still not, you know. I'm trying to go for greatness, and my path has been corkscrewed, meandering, you know. And some people, it just goes straight. And I, I think that a lot of people just naturally get on a good path, and I've always been on a confused path. So as I unravel these things for myself... It doesn't myself, sound like that, though, right now. It feels like it. Because I'm, I'm at a point where I now have... I've just started to, like... Honestly, all the practicing I've done for the past, uh, you know, 30 years is almost useless until whatever, wherever I've started maybe a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Say, what, it's what weird. What led you to adopting this philosophy? What, what led you to kind of break away from the noise, the overwhelming noise of the drumming Cause community? Cause I, cause it, because it wasn't working for me. Hmm. Whatever I was doing wasn't working. So when it's, something's not working, I'm a big analyze guy. I've, uh, you know, people give me shit for being um, over-analyzing. But look, man, I mean... My whole life, everyone's been telling me to figure it out. You know, you want to go to school? Figure it out. You want to, you know, we, we, we grew up kind of lower middle class, and it was like, you want a car? You want insurance? Figure it out. Yeah. You want to be great? At Berkeley, it was like, you want to be good? Well, we're, we, we, we're not really, we can't really help you. Figure it out. You want a, you want a gig in Nashville? Yeah. Figure it out. So my brain has always been... For survival reasons. Yeah. Well, can I to go figure to, it out? Can I go to one thing that you did? I think it was 2007. Mm. I, I might have been working at Forks, but it was long before that. And you came in and you, and you told me, you said, I, I think I'm going to learn to play um, traditional grip. Mm-hmm. I'm changing my grip from, right. from match to tra- traditional. Yeah. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And, and you said, uh, we've got time off the road and I'm just going to learn to do it. And uh, you also, not to digress, but you do, did a video on Drumeo. Yeah. And uh, you kind of got a little bit into that. <sighs> and you talk about going through Berkeley and yeah. why you moved to Nashville. And I don't know if yeah. that's necessarily what we need to yeah. get into now. Um, spend our time with that because that's a cool video. You can go to that and check that out. But um, So was that one of those, I'm going to figure this out? Yes. Moments. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, tell me about I was that. compelled to, uh, well, because... Again, talking about movement and how good or efficient movement will free you. Because um, that is what it's like. When you move right, when you move the way you're meant to move, it's like unlocking secret powers on level 32 of your video game. <laughs> That's how important it is to, reali- to realize that. And what I, w- I was in a place where, where the matched grip, there was just something... It, it was like the, to me. It was like the almost grip, the almost way of playing. Because um, I felt, first of all, I felt tight. It felt like uh, my the the posture is sort of like I'm, I have duct tape wrapped around my arms, and I felt like I couldn't. Even with like the molar, the whips and stuff, it just it didn't feel open. And it's almost such a linear motion. It's almost so economical 
that the snare hits were kind of getting there before my brain was ready. Hmm. <laughs> it was almost, I was having to think about it, to lay back, and I don't want to think, I want to play. Yeah. And conversely, when I would just hold the sticks in the traditional grip, just holding them, opened me up. Mm-hmm. I felt immediately free, just in the posture of the traditional grip. And um, I had tried before with like a two-week break to, 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 to spend some time switching, but it was horrible. I went back to the gig, and I didn't fully switch over, and it was hard, and my muscles weren't there, and it fell apart. Um, but we had that break, like you said. Yeah. We had about four months, mm. and I was like, all right, this is, this is what I'm doing for four months. Um, and I did, and I just, I turned stick around, and I relearned how to hit the snare, and once I relearned how to hit the, just hit the snare consistently, because I didn't want to lose anything. I, I didn't, I need a lot of power in my gig, because there's amps, and there's ear monitors, and we're in big rooms, and, and I, and I, I have a certain amount of inflection. That's always been the argument against traditional grip in modern drummer, is that the power... Well, that's, yeah. that is, that's, yeah. that's not, maybe, yeah. it may not be true, but that has been the argument right. against it. Again, another, yeah. another just recycled uh, batch mm-hmm. of folklore Yeah, that's not based in truth. Now, granted, some people can't get a powerful uh, backbeat with it because it takes a lot of work. And, it, and it's also used a lot in jazz and quieter music, but that doesn't mean... It's it can be used for. Right. I mean, really, Stuart Copeland. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, you know, who are some funny guys that yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but as a kid, that you know, I watched him. You know, um, so I, I didn't think that you can do anything. That's just not true. That you can't get a power. You can do your muscles will mm-hmm. do anything you want them to do with mm-hmm. enough work. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, and I just geeked out on it, and it still took. Even after that four months, it was tough to. When I, you know, we got back, and my hands were bleeding, and I, it, I had to really concentrate not to abandon the grit. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I pushed through it, and I feel like I owe Brad some money back on a few of those gigs <laughs> where I was experimenting and not playing. You know, maybe to Did my full potential. Did anyone say anything? I, yeah. The, you know, yeah, they, at first they noticed, they noticed it was a little weak, but I told them what they were, what we were doing, what I was doing and, 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 uh, it wasn't bothering anybody. And, uh, I think they appreciate and Brad, appre- I say they, but Brad and the band, um, appreciated that I was, uh, exploring that. So they didn't want to take that from me, you know, and it wasn't suffering that bad, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they all have it in their pro. They know that as long as I'm playing in time and, and driving the music the way I play, and I'm trying to drive it the way I play, that that no one's noticing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's now, subtle. As far as your students, how do you yeah. push? I mean, do you push this like this idea? Uh, as far as uh, the way it helped you, do you? Say? Only if they want. No, it's personal. I don't. I'm not a promoter of traditional grip or any. I'm, again, I don't really choose sides or. Or anything like that. I can just tell you uh, what it did for me, you know. And mm-hmm. if you don't feel compelled to do it, then don't do it. I had an inner compulsion, like that was almost like I was born a traditional player, but I learned matched. Mm-hmm. So I had to free the traditional player. 
That's, so, you know what I mean? That's the only reason I did it. This is kind of a personal thing. It's kind of funny. When I yeah. air drum, I yeah. air drum traditional. Sure, me too. That's, yeah. But I play match. Right. So there you have it, the end of part one of Ben Caesar's interview. Lots of great stuff. And uh, stay tuned for part two. We'll put that out in a few weeks. We'll certainly let you know if you're a subscriber. Uh, it will pop up automatically on your app. Um, but uh, stay tuned for that. He gets more into practice technique of drumming and uh, just more intense stuff. Also, we'll continue to put up more pictures that were taken at this interview by John Zacco. So uh, we'll post more of those pictures on the website that uh, you can see. Thanks so much.